1: Tonight, we talk about the Eagles Stumping with the big dogs And they won And yeah, for my Steeler fans James Harrison is officially Carl Malone Super Bowl champs in the city of brotherly love Putting Santa to rest On RSG One Mike
0: Lot, 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 this thing right here yeah, yeah, is where my people yeah,
1: in the street. <laughs> yes, yes, today, yes, yes, today, you know, as we start this show, this one might. Uh, we have... <coughs> <laughs> there is a
0: pause! <laughs> Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung <sighs> They're looking around, the jumbo rod shows and pans the cheerleaders And as it goes down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter Which at this particular time, destroys half the stadium The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened that this guy needs uh,
1: CPR or something, and at that particular time, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Today, lost Talk Radio. Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into shack I and mean, you can do that. I mean, people talk a lot about <laughs> their training staff. Lock, lock. Yes, today. You know, as we start this show, this one mic. Yes, yes, today as we start this show, this one mic. Welcome to RSG One Mic, where the host and all callers are brought to you by Carbon World Health, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to carbonworldhealth.com to connect with Dr. Nestor Rodriguez and his staff to learn more about lifestyle medicine. Tell them that the real sports guy sent you. I want to send a shout out uh, to Ashley. Uh, I had a great meeting with her today over that carbon, and get myself back on track. If you, uh, Snapchat, you can uh, check me out um, uh, on there, um, and I've been shooting some videos on my journey, um, and you get a chance to get some insight to what they do over carbon and what Ashley has been doing with me to try to keep me on track. And now I even working with my daughter, so it's been great to work with Nestor and. Uh, Ashley and the whole crew over there, Brooke, uh, Geo, the whole the whole nine uh, over there, and uh, what they're doing. It's good to have them on the journey with us. But tonight, man, it's it's, it's pretty much for us all. Super Bowl. We're gonna close this thing out. Um, there's a lot to talk about. A lot of moving parts. Uh, we're in the open mic portion of this. Before we get into it, I gotta bring my man in the pick and roll, uh, the man who finishes like Carl Malone, but he gets championships, Hank Davis. What's up, Hank?
0: I'm doing good, D. Here we are the day after, you know, the first full week of February. And I don't know where you are, but where I'm at, the weather outside is frightful. But, you know, we got an opportunity here to sit down and talk about this this, uh, very entertaining game uh, yesterday, the official end of football season. Uh, The only thing that I can tell you that keeps me going, man, is spring training coming up and also the spring game in two months.
1: Yes. Yes. We'll talk a lot about that. Maybe we even show up in Ann Arbor or, or another spring game near you, maybe somewhere in Madison, somewhere where you might have that RSG up in, uh, as you can hear in the opening, uh, we had a funny story last time we were together at the spring game in Ann Arbor uh, and, and uh, we have some chuckles. So, you know, we all have a good time, but yeah, we got baseball around the corner uh, as well. And so we're, we're excited about this, but you know we're closing out what is probably the one of the most popular, if not the uh, most popular sporting event in the world, uh, the Super Bowl, which was in Minneapolis this year and was as entertaining as advertised. It was one of the best Super Bowls of all time. A lot of people are talking about it has so many different storylines uh, to it. But in the opening mic, we're going to touch on a number of different topics. You know, one, you know, just for for the average person who chimes in like the everyday person who's not really into football, they chime in is a lot of times people are chiming in to check out the commercials. And I was just looking in and out. I didn't really catch one that much. Uh, but the one that really kind of got me was the, uh, uh, the Doritos commercial <laughs> where you had the cats uh, uh, lip syncing uh, over the, uh, uh, over the lyrics. Um, that was uh, uh, uh kind of a hilarious kind of uh uh, 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 commercial, um, but I, I don't know if it caught my eye. I don't know if there's any of them that caught my eye, you know, that much. But w- did you pay attention to any of the commercials that came out?
0: Yeah, I did. I, you're talking about the commercial with Peter Dinklage uh, from yes. Game of Thrones and uh, Morgan Freeman. And it was yes. funny, but they did such a good job. They had Morgan Freeman uh, actually doing lip sync over uh, Missy Elliott. You know, yeah. so that was that was like really early on. I kind of found that to be quite entertaining just because or you're watching their mobs, You know, they did something, you know, to make yeah. sure they could sit like that. But it was just it was entertaining. But the ad that really caught me, which I thought was kind of clever, was the Tide ad. I don't know if you had a chance to catch that, but it was like Tide was like breaking in on these other commercials and it was like, nope, you're still in the Tired ad. You know, because they were showing like the, the clean pants and, you know, they would be doing like a, a car commercial with the clean clothes and the press shirt. He's like, nope, nope, you're still in the Tired ad. And they did that for like three or four. Right, in the, right. And if you get a chance, YouTube the Tired ads. Those were really clever and kind of cute and kind of funny. You know, towards the second half, of the game, they started doing more of the uh, the movie promos and the new shows that's coming out, um, and and for me, being being the the cartoon character that I am, the new Marvel movie that's coming out uh, in in a couple of months has got me kind of intrigued. So Infinite Wars, I think it's called. Um, and so that one is kind of got all of the, the heroes of all the other movies that, that Marvel has made. They're going to all be compiled and comprised in this one movie. So if any of you Marvel geeks out there, there, there's one right there for you to, uh, spend the night to be the first in line for. But, uh, the, I think the first half had really a lot of the clever commercials in it.
1: Yeah. And, and, uh, uh, I usually pay attention. And I don't know why I was just going through a whole bunch of stuff. I caught that one at the beginning. And then, uh, there was some, and I had a feeling you might catch a, a little bit. And the commercials were least of this. You know, one of the crazy things about adding social media to this experience is all kinds of stuff break out. And before we came on the air, it was crazy because I think both of us started some conversation wars that are still going, just on a statement. Um, and so... I'll start with yours, and then we'll come back to the uh, the mind I got here on the rundown. But So Hank puts up a post, um, and I want to be fair so we read it correctly because you you put up the post, and, and, and I saw it because we talked about it on the show. So Hank's post is after the game, so the Lions are going to hire the defensive coach that allowed 41 points in the Super Bowl. Period, and he goes brilliant. Period. Now, when I read that, I responded to it, and you know, you know, I I was basically, you know, quoting to him what he had said on the show because he was, you know, he he was talking about the patriot way that this was a good thing. So I throw my little two cents in. Then on top of that, I bring I was like, and here's a link to the show (laughs) where you said it. So i was just trying to play with him and then forty nine thousand layer still gone. <laughs> but but all I said was you praised him on the show the Patriot way, right? And then I can come back with the link to the show. That's all I did. Like and that might have been that might have been like maybe the the fifth post, maybe or even more, there might have been a couple more there. And then it just all broke loose. <laughs>
0: Man, Man, did it break what, loose! What's going
1: on?
0: Listen, okay, so okay, so what? Here's the thing: you have to understand all all football fans across the nation, right? Here it is: you got the greatest stage for the NFL anywhere. You got the Super Bowl. So then you got the other teams in the NFL, you know, across the nation, and they're wondering what is it going to take for our team to get there. Okay, and in places like New York and Detroit. And in other areas in in Oakland, where all you've had you've had uh, new coaches come in, right? So now you're looking and and you're thinking to yourself, what's it going to take for our team to get there?" So I'm looking at Matt Patricia, who is a defensive coordinator for the New England Patriots, who has been named the next head coach of the Detroit Lions. Now the Detroit Lions uh, the only time they've been to a Super Bowl is if they bought a ticket okay or they watch it on TV like me and D that's it all right uh only been to one NFC one championship game uh to get to Super Bowl in the last 50 plus years now so and it went through coaches and coaches before the uh Cleveland Browns this was the first team to go 0 and 16 the Detroit Lions back in 08 so now now have kind of brought you forward so now I'm in the midst of Lions fans here in in the uh, in the uh the Detroit metro area, okay? And there is a saying around here, for the rest of you who don't know, it's called SOL, which stands for Same Old Lions, which means get your hopes up and break them down, okay? So now I think I've kind of quickly given you a history of what Lions fan psyche are around here. They want so much to be there, but they know something's going to happen and other shoe is going to drop. So here we are on the grand stage, okay? For some of them, Matt Patricia was just a name. All right, But they knew that they had to heard on the sports radio talk shows around here. This was going to be uh, our next coach. If you heard our show last week, I said they're trying to do it the Patriots way. They had got Bob Quinn from the New England Patriots. Now they're going to get a coach from the New England Patriots. They're going to do it this way. We know what the Patriots way is, right? You win championships. You go to Super Bowls. So... You have all this anticipation. You have this huge throng of of scouting Detroit Lions fans watching the Super Bowl, all right? And they watch their new coach, whose expertise is defense. They're watching their new coach in in grand anticipation, win or lose. They're watching their new coach's defense, their new coach's defense. Tomorrow he's going to be in Detroit. On Thursday there's going to be a press conference. And what happens the Philadelphia Eagles hangs 41 points on the New England Patriots. Oh my god. And I know everybody in Detroit saw this and had, and had a collective gulp and said, "Oh no. Did we get New England's best or did we get New England's throw-off?" So I put a post out there. Basically <laughs> speaking for every Detroit fan, who I, like I said, I won't even claim to be the original author <laughs> of this statement. I saw it a couple of two or three uh, times from friends of mine on Facebook. So what I did was echo what they said, that sentiment, which was, you, you, your new coach just he plays, he's the defensive coach, and this team just hung 41 on him with a backup quarterback. Brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I had a couple of fans die hard lighted to me about that. But, the, but to my surprise, D, I had more fans that of Detroit Lions fans that took my side on it, that absolutely said, listen, don't sit up here and tell us about being negative when this happens all the time. doesn't matter what the coach is, what organization they came from. When they get to the Lions, they get lionized. And it just so <laughs> happened that this happened at the Super Bowl For all Lions fans to see, and the reason why we're bringing this up is because before we went on the air tonight, I posted this last last night after the after the game. Before we went on the air tonight, I still was getting comments on that particular post. Unbelievable, just just how fired up people are, and how you know the fans want so much. But they are willing to say, listen, don't sit here and tell me to be positive when I ain't got nothing to be positive about. And I know we're talking about 30-plus other franchises out there whose teams didn't make it to the Super Bowl this year, some not as much as others because they got championships. But when you're talking about the Lions fans, that passion runs deep, but that passion runs deep and cynical.
1: (laughs) I mean, people ask me all the time, they're like, um, you know, they, they ask me all the time. They're like, um, you know, you're from Michigan. Why aren't you a Lions fan? And I say, look, name someone who's coached the Lions and gone on to coach another team.
0: Right. Now,
1: to that somebody defense, like somebody like
0: Mariucci. they not not yeah. that defense. They've not coached. They've not been a head coach. But I don't. Head coach. I, 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 but I would be remiss to say that Jim Schwartz, who was defensive coordinator for the Philadelphia Eagles who also, by the way, gave up 33 points to the GOAT. But, I mean, he was there yesterday, too. Uh, used to coach the Detroit Lions.
1: What I'm saying is gone on and coach another team. And usually they say, well, didn't Wayne Fonts go on? Because Wayne Fonts was very visible. like, no, nah, Wayne Fonts went down. You have Steve yeah. – You have, I mean, you have Mariucci, who had a great – had a pretty successful career with the 49ers, came and coached the Lions, and then he st- he's been doing NFL. He didn't even – tried to think about coaching the he ain't going nowhere. And, and the one person is kind of—it's funny because you know Hammer. Hammer's kind of this guy with this kind of photographic memory. Uh, if y'all people have listened, you know, our I, I, I guy uh, uh, Kyle Hampton, the Hammer, it will bring it home. Sometimes they will have you laughing. But this guy, you know, Stanford educated, got a got a got a memory. He can remember. He, he got a. He, he's got a photographic memory. He's got all this stuff. But he did identify Dick Gergeron, Ger- Gergeron because Dick did, but Dick Dick took over for a couple of games for the Lions before he then went on to Buffalo, right? right? But he didn't; he wasn't the coach. He's he, he kind of replaced somebody. Then at the end of the season was gone, and then he ended up going over to Buffalo. So it's a place where coaches go to die. Right. So, and a lot of that's because you don't have a winning infrastructure. It, it what frustrates people from Michigan. So. Tr- got other organizations that have run at a high level in Detroit. <laughs> you know, at a time like where you had some success with the Tigers or you had success with uh the Red Wings. You had you, you know, you Pistons were winning. So it, it's not like a successful franchise can't happen in Detroit, particularly in football, where you got a lot of parity. You got more parity in football than you do in these other sports a lot of times. And but people have run at a championship level. You you know, they had a guy like Matt Millen, who's a brilliant commentator in sports went to, came over to be a GM and forgot he knew football and drafted like four wide receivers in a row in the first round. Like, right. like when you hear him, listen, that doesn't sound like a guy that would do that. But then sometimes you go to Detroit and you just forget that, you know, stuff. <laughs> so this is what Hank is talking about.
0: Right. And, and, and let me just also say too, that, you know, when you have a one NFL franchise, Okay, and look, and if, the, and if the National Football League is still popular, it's football. Okay, especially here in the state of Michigan, when you have the University of Michigan, when you have Michigan State, and then you also have the Detroit Lions. Okay, there are passionate Lions fans here. Okay, and 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 I've I've often said that they've they've called Detroit Hockey Town, all this kind of stuff, and there's nobody you know above the age of sixty okay, uh, that, that can even tell you, or, you know, the last time they've done anything um, that's worthwhile, all right? Like I, I, I even posted on that post that it's been 30 years since Barry Sanders was a rookie, all right? To, to me still arguably one of the greatest running backs I've ever seen in my life. and And this is what is going on. And so it always comes back to the Lions here in Michigan, especially in southeast Michigan. It always comes back to the Lions. And when you go and hire somebody, that person all of a sudden becomes, gets under scrutiny, okay? And this is a franchise and a fan base that is starving. They've already starved, okay? They're bones right now. They want to win so bad. They want to be on that stage. And then, you know, they're all for Go, go, mimic the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go, mimic the New Orleans—I mean, the New England Patriots. Go, mimic any of these teams that knows how to win. Please get somebody from them franchises over here and get it done. And what happens is you got Bob Quinn, who is the uh, general manager, who all of a sudden decides I don't need a running game, and everybody in Detroit saying you need a running game, you don't have a running game. And then you go get a, 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 your, your defensive coordinator, your hand-picked coach. And I don't know. I'm, I can't predict the, the future. I hope he's great. I really do. But the last time we seen him, he got his, his 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 defense that he had two weeks to prepare against a backup quarterback got 41 points hung on him. The guy <laughs> had the quarterback score a touchdown by catching a pass in the Super Bowl. We all saw it, okay. So this is what Lions fans is thinking. All I did was bring it out. That I, I know every Lions fan is like, "Oh my God, Nick Foles, who was the backup quarterback, just threw two touchdown passes and caught one on you, on your defense. The Garrett Blunt, who wasn't even good enough to stay on the team last year, just ran through your defense like Swiss cheese to, for a touchdown. Uh, Clement." The the, the young rookie from Wisconsin caught a touchdown pass on you. Nobody saw him coming out the backfield. This is what we got to look forward to. This is the way Lions fans think, okay? And I said that. And I had a couple of diehards light into me, but the odd thing about it was I had every other fan tearing on the diehards. It was funny. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about their age. I'm 58. I'm (laughs) 58. Yeah. Y'all I'm hundred and six. I ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs>
1: uh, I was like, my goodness, boy. I said, The last time was,
0: I seen the lions win anything it was on the Discovery Channel, and that lion was going after an elk. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's it, man. That's it. So that that pops off. So while he's doing this I'm just going through and I see a couple of my colleagues from one of my old college, one of my actually former students. She's about to go and she's been leading and doing her thing uh, at the college, actually in a role that I used to have. I'm proud of her. She's about to go and take in this other leadership role at Brown university. But what I love about her, she's a former student athlete, but she'll post something and she don't care. So as I see a post, they post in about, the halftime performance. And I'm like, okay, what's this about the halftime performance? I, you know, I was happy when I saw the halftime performance. I'm like, you know, it, it's a halftime performance. I'm like, well, you know, JT did, kind of did his thing. It's hard to do it in a big arena. I'm not trying to be too critical. But then see shots that they didn't like the fact he was honoring Prince. And I was like, you know, and you know, folks came back with, like, Prince didn't want his likeness and everything else. So I was like, well, he didn't he didn't do the hologram. I think they didn't want the hologram. He, they did a video. And I said, it's the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. Now, if they didn't honor Prince at all, I mean, all y'all be complaining. Then how can they be doing a Super Bowl in Minneapolis and not do a shot to Prince? Y'all would have said that. Not only do they do that, they do this great image of kind of the, the symbol in the city, which I thought was just appropriate. You know, and I'm big, and I'm saying like I don't think we honor artists, particularly black artists, great artists, in the way that other artists get honored. I'm like, this is the time to do it. And you know, well, he didn't like JT. Like, okay, so y'all think he really didn't like JT? Okay, but that don't mean that JT doesn't honor him. Like Justin Timberlake doesn't doesn't just because there's a lot of legends that don't like some of the young cats coming through, but don't mean the young cats don't still like them as legends and be influenced. He can't still throw a shot at him, so. It was just crazy. So I you know I me, mean, I post and I'm like, What's this all about? And I said all the points I just said and that let a storm up. And then I come back and and now they start saying, Now we talk about Janet Jackson. Like they got the hashtag for Janet Jackson going on. I like the hashtag for Janet Jackson, you know, <laughs> and you know how I am. You know, I I I I, I can get a little, you know, people who know me. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a uh a social media uh you know uh gangster. I'll come back at you. You know, these are, and these are folks that I really care about. You know, they, they on my team, you know, but I had to come back and I was like, first of all, tell Janet to come back to the United States and and let me know when the next time she and Gary. <laughs> <laughs> that shuts it, shut it down. That shut it down a little bit. Everybody's like, and I'm like, first of all, y'all should be saying free milk, free meat meals. You know, Philly don't want. Why ain't y'all howling about meat? Y'all should have free meat meals out there. it? Meek out here still giving money to people while he in jail. Where's the Meek love? Y'all talking about Janet? Janet don't care. Janet's a billionaire. Like she need to do another Super Bowl halftime show. Right. Wow.
0: Gotta your like mother now. She, ain't gotta be, she can't got time to be bothered. She got
1: baby milk on her wrist. Yeah, she ain't got time for all that. She got too much gold and platinum in her house she got to deal with. She got all that money she got to figure out how to spend. So that's how I went down on social media. It's like in me and Hank are in the middle of these firestorms that we really didn't become firestorms, but they become them because, you know, even the people closest to us, we kind of got to go at. That's kind of <laughs> so you know that when you come out on social media, you're going to get hit in the head. In the City Tribute, like, what did you think about that, man? I thought it was appropriate City Tribute. I'm like, it's the Super Bowl in Minneapolis. Like, how many times is going to be in Minneapolis? You've got to honor Prince. I don't know how you You thought. know,
0: I, I, on, the, on the surface, I didn't think anything was wrong with it. On Nothing. On the surface, I thought that, you know, they used footage from what looked like the Purple Rain movie. You know? Yes. Uh, i he went away from the hologram. I thought that would have been a little tacky. You know, yeah. that plus it's been played. You know, they did something like that with Michael Jackson, and I just think that would have been tacky, especially in Minneapolis. I think yeah. the fact that, you know, he did I Would Die For You, uh, he did a little bit of a tribute. That's Minneapolis. That's Purple City. Like I said, on the surface, you know, I'm, uh, I thought, I didn't see anything wrong with it. But there's a couple of people I know that are diehard Prince fans and a couple of people that, you know, i performed with that, uh, you know, know new Prince personally. And they were offended. And they were like, you know, he wouldn't want all of that kind of stuff without him being there. He don't believe in, you know, honoring dead folk like that and that sort of stuff. You know, but it's like I don't know him. You know, so I don't know what yeah. he's like, you know. And I think that what you saw was or what you heard was people who are really into, you know, how Prince's persona was off the stage were offended, okay? And he, you know, he just really – you, you started to really know what his fan base was like, you know, for folks who are fans of his music and appreciate his music – Understanding what was going on, uh, you know, I, 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 like I said, on the, on the surface, I didn't see any problem with it, but I can appreciate those who did. Now, what I had a problem with was what Justin Timberlake had on. Now that <laughs> I had a, cause that looked like he was trying to be Duck Dynasty at a doggone banquet. I didn't understand that outfit at all. He had on like, dude, I said, this is what you gonna wear to a Prince tribute show. And the Super Bowl. I mean, they're sticking out, and then they're sticking out. You know, so that, that's the one that made me scratch my head. You going hunting after the game? What?
1: <laughs> he was trying to catch that Midwest theme. I'm like, what's that about?
0: Come on, man! I've sure been living in the Midwest sure. all my life. I don't. I ain't dressed like that. And I'm not the sure I'm not trying to disparage you. catch that, that hunt every year. God bless you but you don't go in front of 100,000 people on national television unless you about to go bag a buck 10 minutes after you get done. Yeah,
1: I wasn't sure if he was representing some rural gang activity or what, you know, with the clips <laughs> and the blood and the blips. I wasn't sure. I was just trying to rock with it. I like, it's J.T. I thought
0: he me. was going to pull out some beef jerky in like 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I was like, "Wow, but I appreciated the city tribute where they did it the symbol in the city you write with Minneapolis. I think even though it was cold and all that stuff, I think it was a good Super Bowl for Minneapolis. I think it debunked the Super Bowl just being in warm weather cities. I think Minneapolis did its thing even with the weather. It was a great game. It sounded like it was a great experience overall for people in, in Minneapolis. What do you think about that? You know, some people are like it should always be in Miami, always be in Houston, always be in there. but I think it I think, you know, a city like Minneapolis brought, you know, as much as you can bring being in a in a cold weather city.
0: Listen, what I like is the when Detroit, Minneapolis, and even New York, they go in to these Super Bowls with game face, man. I mean, because you have these reporters and all these folks coming in from out of town. And they're already coming in grumbling and, and griping because they gotta go to a cold weather city. And I have seen it when the last Super Bowl that was here in Detroit, they really, really, really go out of their way to to make that experience one of the best that they've ever they've ever had. Minneapolis has done it a couple of times. Detroit has had it and, and each time, you know, they've gotten positive reviews. You know the worst Super Bowl, as far as experience uh, that 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 I've heard of on record, was actually in Jacksonville, Florida. They said they did a pathetic job down there, uh, and it was upsetting to the people uh, that how badly that Super Bowl was put on. But uh, it it, 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 is, it is what it is. Okay, you're going to have a Super Bowl in February in Minneapolis. It's going to be cold. That's about as that that that's like death in taxes. That's going to be. You can't do nothing about it, okay? And if the committee that be say we're going to hit a cold-weather city, then you have to be prepared for that. But I give all credit to these cities like because they do a fabulous job. It's as if as though they know they got to go a step beyond because they don't want that stigma where their guests are uncomfortable because of the cold. Now, I don't care. It's two degrees. They're there for a few days. We're here all the time, all right? And it's cold to us. So that's just the like again, that's just the way that's gonna be. They did a fabulous job. Uh I like the whole again when when I, when you think about the totality of the of, of, of the of the event and then you do a, a, a purple tribute at halftime in Minneapolis, again, on the surface, if I'm just going to that to that event, I think that's neat. Okay, to the diehard fans, you know, uh I, I get it. But I think that when you look at the the, the whole thing I thought it was, I thought they did a fabulous job. Bravo.
1: And, and part of part of the um, uh, Super Bowl weekend is also revealing the new Hall of Fame class, which is this had a lot of anticipation, a lot going on. And so, for those of you who don't know, we have we have um, someone who came in as the contributor, and this is where you have you know GMS and other people who contribute to the game. Bobby Beathard, who is you know, great personnel guy, had led some really good programs, was with Washington and San Diego doing a lot of their runs. Um, you have Robert Brazil, Brazil which I, I remember Robert as a linebacker, I believe he was with Houston, great linebacker. You have uh, Brian Dawkins, who a lot of us had a chance, I had a chance to watch him play in Philly, actually, when uh, John Harbaugh was there and we watched him against Green Bay. I mean, this guy perennial, all pro, um, you know, one of the best in the game during his his peers. Uh, that was, yeah, Jerry Kramer, uh, guard for Green Bay Packers, more and more Packers from that era of Lombardi uh, getting in. Uh, and then this is what gets interesting. You get Ray Lewis, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, Randy Moss, Randy Moss. You know, we all know his greatness was much debated. Locked at the hip with this next person, Terrell Owens we all believe had first ballot uh, credentials, um, but it was controversial. But to have him both going at the same time with Randy, I think is appropriate given that they're contemporaries. And then Brian Erlacher, who I remember him coming out, um, you know, um, of uh, uh, was it New Mexico? Um, really being a strong safety, I think he was, like a hybrid move to linebacker. You know, playing with the Bears was perennial all-star, incredible speed, um, great player, um, uh, dominant linebacker, you know, kind of came, you know, uh, at a time uh, when, you know, particularly uh, crossing over with Ray Lewis, but it was kind of like right after, and I kind of was that transition when, uh, when we were seeing what Ray Lewis was doing, you know, Urlacher was that next guy coming through. Um, And and basically coming out I think think he was the first ballot as well So that's the entering class Um, Some of your thoughts I I think there hasn't been a lot of discussion about that I think people all have agreed There's some other people who are now outside looking in But I think people are very comfortable with this class Especially since T.O. has gotten in What did you think about when you heard about this class?
0: Yeah, you know The thing is, you have to This is a different age of football now Okay, Now we're going into like A real fuzzy age of, of football, where uh, individual dominance that, that, that that's coming up won't be like the individual dominance that we saw in the past, okay, except for when your Tom Brady's start to uh, become eligible for the Hall. But you have to look at, when, when you're looking at the, these players and folks, Bobby Beathard, that's a no-brainer. I'm surprised that he wasn't in before now. Bobby Bethard you know, when he was a GM, took two teams to the Super Bowl wasn't well, mm-hmm. for Bobby the San Diego Chargers where they never made it to the Super Bowl, and yet there they are because of him and uh with with Bobby Ross as the coach, you know, and Bobby Ross, by the way, was the coach of the Lions, and okay that's another story another <laughs> that's right but, but anyway <laughs>
1: uh
0: but, but 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 here we go okay um so so I'm not surprised about that Robert brazil uh again, you gotta look at where these what these players did and where they transcended uh the 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 sport there. You know, with the old Houston Oilers, Brian Dawkins, uh, great safety. Absolutely great safety. The other thing that Brian Dawkins was he was a very uh, integral part of the Players Association uh, on the players' side. Uh, he, would, he, he I think he had a a post there, uh, either the president or something, for the Players Union. So he was very active in the Players Union. Jerry, Jerry Kramer of the old uh, Packers, Lombardi Packers, makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, really a long time coming. These other players Now we start talking about, we start getting to our contemporary players, our, our, our players is coming up. Ray Lewis, okay, you know that your Baltimore Ravens, or you, you can say your Cleveland Browns of old slash Baltimore Ravens, are not Super Bowl champions and don't have a face if it's not for Ray Lewis, okay, and that defense. Uh, and Ray Lewis was the face of that defense for the time that he played. And he he walked away with two Super Bowl rings. And I think that if you look at his total career, uh, I know it started off with a lot of that controversy with that uh, incident in Atlanta. But if you look at his entire career as a football player, and basically his career uh, uh, off the field, too, didn't get in any trouble and was much of an activist for a lot of different uh, causes, Uh, well-deserved we start talking about Randy Moss and Terrell Owens, okay, what people remember is their mouth a lot more and a lot of their antics. But go look, at, go look at their records. Go look at their numbers. Go look at their catches. Go look at when they were targeted receivers. Okay, numbers are very similar. Randy Moss especially, with all of those years he had in Minnesota and then going over with Tom Brady when they were almost undefeated, all right, before wrapping his career up. Um, uh, the one that I have an issue with, and maybe it's because um, it's with the Bears, um, and yeah, the Brian Urlacher, and with that Bears defense, and, that, and they did make it to a Super Bowl, got got torched by the by the Colts. But <clears throat> the reason why I say I had an issue with it is because, as good as Urlacher was it just it just maybe i maybe i didn't see him being that good his name was all over the place and i know he was one of those overachievers from new mexico um but you know he he he, he was the the prototype linebacker you know once he got to the league you know he had that speed um he could move but i you know it, it just seemed like towards the later part of his career was he that player all the time because you had so many people spelling him or or just looking out for him because he was for a long time, you thought he was the only guy on that defense for the Bears. But um, I'm I'm okay with this class. I don't even know anybody who we could say was slighted. But you're going to have a hard time as you go forward with the way the league is set up right now. When you see players like a Randy Moss and a Terrell Owens that really did define their positions. I mean, they did. Uh, and both of them became when they when they shut their mouths. Well, to Owens more than Moss really became weapons. You know, just deadly weapons for their teams. So yeah, given that, I can't I can't complain. I can't really kick too much about this class. I think it's I think is well deserved.
1: Yeah, and I think the, the the other group that was just outside as Tony Baselli, um, uh, uh, Alan. Uh, uh, Fanica, um, Steve Hutchison, uh, former Michigan player, uh, Ty Law, former Michigan player, Kevin Molly. So these are players who you're probably going to see get in, in the next couple of years um, coming out after. So, yeah, I mean, I think Urlacher's is interesting because I, I, I didn't see him as a first ballot. Um, I say he was dominant. He did that, you know, great teams. Uh, they did make it to a Super Bowl um he's obviously was one of the dominant players there but yeah i didn't know if he was going to be a first ballot i thought that was going to be a borderline um but he was a likable guy right and he was a freak athlete um for his position you know redefined the game in a lot of different ways like ray lewis said it and then he probably set it on fire (laughs) since his in the end you know um and i remember early on i was like uh, he was overrunning plays, but I was like, when well, this guy really understands how to run the football from that. Because he was he had played safety in college, so the angle to the football is a much different angle than when he was playing from linebacker, learning how to adjust and um, use his speed to run down from behind. Once he learned how to do all that, he was on. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think he is the borderline guy. Particularly, you could have flipped him, and you could have someone like Tony Baselli, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then maybe he's coming in with that next class, so that might be that might be debatable um, in that sense. But I think that's a good that's a good question to be raised. Well, you so know, before you, we
0: transition, go ahead. I wanted to say because when you look at that next that next group, you know, um, Ty Law is you know I we know him from here in Ann Arbor, but Ty Law spent you know uh, he he did, he was a veteran veteran corner for years with the New England Patriots you know uh very punishing very physical um uh, a cornerback you know i i'm, I'm kind of surprised that 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 uh he was kind of taken out i think they i think he's he's almost a shoe in next time though
1: yeah yeah he's right there he's close
0: mhm um
1: and so yeah you, you got a sense he's going to get in next time mhm so you're right i think you know You know, you're beginning to get that early group of uh, Patriots slash, you know, kind of Belichick slash um, uh, Bill Parcells guys uh, who are beginning to come into consideration. And so he's one of that group. And so, yeah, I see him getting in. He was a dominant corner um, and was that first legitimate kind of Belichick guy that he just knew could shut off a, a side of the field and they can play off of it. Um, And so, yeah, Ty Law is is one of those guys you can see coming in that next group of uh, of players. Um, We're going to have this – we're going to probably hit it more when we get into the cypher, but Malcolm Butler, I'm calling him the Jimmy Hoffa. What happened? There's a lot of questions. Is 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 the Patriot way cracking? What happened with McElroy? Is Rome falling? Because he just sat on the sidelines for the um, national anthem. He, he obviously was emotional. Uh, didn't play a down. Uh, you know, more stuff is coming out now. But one of the things we we talked about, and we'll get in this about the keys. But one of the things we talked about is like avoiding distractions. Right? We're like, don't let anything happen outside the game that takes away from the preparation that causes people to have to answer other questions. Um, And uh, it just didn't make a lot of sense. And I find out that possibly it was a curfew issue with some other things going on, which Bill Bill was probably clear about would cost you. And so if that's true, I don't, then I don't understand the the line that they said they gave up on me because if he, if he did what he did, then he gave up on himself that this stuff was more important than the game, then it makes sense that he didn't see a play. Man, when you saw he was sitting on the sidelines, what was you thinking?
0: You know what? The concern was I thought he hurt himself. Yeah. I think think that anybody who watched his emotions on the sideline and that he wasn't playing would have thought that he had some sort of injury just before the game that he couldn't go. And I look at that and yeah we you know there there's some other stories that's come out and i and i and I see here, and I scratch my head, and it's like you know what 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 are you doing and, and this ain't new you know there's always guys that they get to the Super Bowl and for some reason for some uncanny reason, they lose their mind just before the game. You remember the cornerback that played with the Atlanta Falcons he was a team captain and some of everything else and got arrested. Uh, the night before the Super Bowl, uh, the the center for the Oakland Raiders just lost his mind uh, before the Raiders played Tampa Bay. Uh, couldn't play, and I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's the pressure. D. I don't know if if uh, it's just it's the, the enormity of the event just sometimes get to some guys. Malcolm Butler was uh, a rookie, made the great play against Seattle. I guess he thought that this thing becomes easy. Uh, getting to Super Bowl, the New England Patriots. But the thing is, is that they got torched in their back end, and you have to ask yourself if you're Bill Belichick, if you're Tom Brady. Okay, at what cost? Okay, so if you, if, if can the kid play, or is this some sort of league violation that you're going to get fined for? Well, hell, if you're going to get fined anyway, you need, you're the New England Patriots. You get fined for everything. And I guess I look at it that at the pro level and at, at at this stage of the game, what do you do? Because is it if if he did something that was so nefarious that that he couldn't play, then he needs to be gone today and his and his contract voided. If that's not going to happen, if you're not going to do that, you're going to suit the young man up on the sideline. Then you know, and you see your secondary get torched. You got to make a decision, in my opinion. Otherwise, don't suit him up. Don't bring have him with the team. But a lot of lot of question marks. A lot of well, what's going on? Why he's not here? And then you, and then it becomes an excuse. Well, you know, your best corner didn't play. Well, wait a minute. He was sitting over there crying. You know. So 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 obviously, if he was on the bench, he should have been eligible. He was suited. He was dressed. But I, I think again, you say, well, well, either he got hurt or something crazy happened. But then you don't be a part of that. You don't you don't let that become a distraction to your team, you know. Have him suit up like he's going to go out there and he and he's available. To me, that's a distraction. And, and I know some folks will say, "Well, it's more of a distraction with him not being there." No, it's more of a distraction when you know he can play and he doesn't. In my opinion, I just I didn't I didn't understand if 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 he wasn't eligible, then get him out the way. If he's ill, if he is eligible, then play him. You know if he's hurt, that's one thing, but if he's not if he's hurt, then get him out of uniform and have him become a cheerleader and that's that's just the way I see that That game was too big, you were dealing with legacy on that you were dealing with with history and and you know given the way that game transpired that 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 look, that looks a little short sighted at this point
1: yeah, so that' so part of the so the couple of things that came up was that he was sick, and it kind of caused him to be a day late coming to Minneapolis. And then they said a minor rules violation, but then there is hints from some ex-teammates that it might have been something else. And so it just, even the distraction point is something that the Patriots in the past, I think, either either they covered up or they just avoided, right? And we knew that might that was the first something in the armor that was happening that wasn't very Patriot-like, right? right. And so. Right. But it was one of the keys that we we talked about. You know, distractions is the number one thing you avoid um, uh, when you're trying to, um, you know, make a run at the Super Bowl or stay focused uh, in everything. So when we come back, we're going to do – we know we're going to go into the cipher, and uh, we're going to break down and analyze a little bit more – a little deeper, you know, what we saw in the Super Bowl, what we saw – that, you know, took on a life of his own and why we think, you know, those eagles were able to soar and come out on top. Hi, this is Brett Bielma, the head coach of the University of Arkansas Razorbacks, and you're keeping it real with the real sports guys. Whoopig. Call the cipher. All right, welcome to the cipher, where we're going to talk about those egos that stumped with the big dogs and they won. That's what we're talking about, and we want to figure out how did it happen? How did, for a lot of people, the unthinkable, how how did they take down the Roman Empire? And, uh, you know, we, uh, you know, y'all been following us. We've been trying to break this thing down, trying to come back at it, trying to give you a little bit of here and there, but uh, a lot of good stuff happened. And so we want to make sure that, you know, we kind of go through kind of some of the things that uh, may have led to um, you know this victory and so in in the five areas I think one of the things I want to start with a little bit uh, talking to you about is let's start with quarterback play Um, you know when you look at uh, this game you know both quarterbacks came out you know they came out Firing you knew Tom Brady was gonna come out and fire. You just knew that. You knew Tom Brady was gonna do his thing. You know, um, you know, at at, at forty years old he was twenty eight or forty eight um uh and, and, and was doing his thing. You know, through they, they had near five hundred something yards. Um and then you had Nick Foles was twenty eight of forty three, he had three hundred and seventy three yards. And uh, and um, uh, three touchdowns, I believe, that we got right there. So, you know, when you look at that, we said Brady had 505 yards and three touchdowns, All right? Yeah. So the, Q- the QBs <laughs> showed it'll, out. Yeah,
0: lighting like, it up.
1: Like, like, what was it about it? When you were watching it, and, and, and what were you impressed with? Because it wasn't like <clears throat> I didn't feel like they weren't playing great defense. I just felt like you know, it's kind of like better offense. It wasn't like players weren't in position. It was just like, man, they're checking down at the right time. They're <laughs> they're going through the progressions and they're hitting that third receiver. You know, what were you seeing with that?
0: I mean, I, I saw that, okay? But if you pay close attention to what uh, Philadelphia did to Minnesota, that was the same game plan. Move Nick Foles out of the pocket. Look for his check down receiver. Look towards the middle. Find, Zach, find, find Ertz because he's one of your he's your better receiver. He can get open on anybody. Go down the field, you know, uh to your to your big to your big uh wide outs. You know, uh Ashawn Jeffrey just 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 let him just out jump folks. Uh Zach Ertz over the middle, and that's what he did. He and to for to um Nick Foles' credit, he he played it to perfection. But here's the other piece that don't nobody really talk about. His running game. The Philadelphia Eagles ran for almost 160 yards in that game. You know, mm-hmm. and an old back that couldn't even play with New England Patriots last year, uh, the Garrett Brunt almost ran for 100 yards on his own. Okay, and Azai had another 77 yards, if, I, if, if I'm not mistaken. So they were able to run the ball effectively against this team. Okay, uh, I don't think that in New England it's kind of hard to, to kick on a team when you've got almost 600 yards of offense yourself. All right, Tom Brady throws a 505 yards. Anybody watching that game, if uh, Brandon Graham uh, from the University of Michigan doesn't knock that ball out of his hands, everybody's like, here we go again. But the thing is about the New England Patriots that I've seen in the Super Bowls that they've lost, that in all three of those Super Bowls, they were winning in the fourth quarter. And their their secondary was unable to keep the team from going down and scoring. And even the Super Bowl where they beat um, Seattle, they were on the doorstep there. So this is something that if you really think about it, they haven't blown anybody out in any of these games. They've always come down to the last couple of plays in the fourth quarter when it when it involves the Philadelphia. I'm sorry, when it involves uh, the New England Patriots. So that ain't nothing new. But Nick Foles was just able to do what he wanted to, and they 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 punted in the first half, and that was the only punt of the game. Seems like to me, I believe it was the only punt that Philadelphia had, and they was moving the ball at will, and the coach was willing to. Go for it on his own side of the field, and New England was helpless to stop it. And so that's what I saw. I saw, and again, when we talked last week, we said, "Listen, these teams had identical records, 13 and three. So you're not talking about no slouch of a team. So you're not making any excuses. But if you're the New England Patriots, you've got to get some of those stops. You've got to put some pressure on Foles. You can't let Foles get comfortable. And he was comfortable." He was comfortable the whole game. He was never made to feel uncomfortable at all. And on the one turnover, uh, Jeffrey could have caught that ball. It tipped off of his hand and then went to New England uh, uh, for an interception. But it was off of Jeffrey's hands. He pulled that one in there down on the seven-yard line. So it was like uh, New England was powerless to stop Philly on anything they was trying to do. They, just, they couldn't stop him running the ball and they couldn't stop them from throwing the football. And that was the, that, was the, um, that, was, that was the story of the whole game. The only reason why New England was in this game, in my opinion, is you had Tom Brady able to just do what Tom Brady does to everybody. And on some rare occasions, uh, Philadelphia decided to kick field goals instead of going for touchdowns. In my opinion, though, they could have made the touchdowns the way this game was going.
1: Yeah, I mean when you look at like looking at from quarterback to total offense and start looking at how you know when when you talk about Philadelphia being able to really use a lot of weapons, you take somebody like Corey Clements and I'm going to say this to GMs out there, if you see a Wisconsin running back, he should never go undrafted. <laughs> it just shouldn't happen. By now you should have figured out I got to draft this. I got to draft some sixth round might be a good time to go get him. But this is a kid that had four receptions uh for hundred yards and a touchdown. <gasps> <laughs> it was a running right. back. Right. All right. But then Legarrett Brunt, who you know, they offered, but they didn't offer money. They wanted to kind of take a pay cut. They went not offer no real money, so he left to go to Philly. He had ninety yards and a touchdown, but just his physical play. Right. And then a was giving you another fifty seven. Uh, and, and then in the passing game, and one thing I say about Nick Foles is, like, he threw a couple balls, like, throwing people in to receptions. Like, he threw one across the middle, like, over a linebacker's head, in between a, I mean, he was throwing some darts. Um, and so it wasn't like they were just throwing really close. He was throwing – I mean, it felt like – it felt like Brady – in his first couple of years of winning the Super Bowls, like where like, you like you weren't quite sure how much Brady was leading it, and then you realize, wow, this guy's throwing key plays. He's throwing he's throwing darts into this thing. And Foles was when you think about how their offense, you know, basically stayed balanced um, and stayed uh, uh, aggressive and got a lot of folks into the game. And you look at the number of people who uh, number of folks with receptions, including Nick Foles, caught his own pass call a pass out of the backfield. Um, and, and the number of people contributing to the running game. So, yeah, I mean, um, you know, you're you're you're, you're talking about uh, a pretty uh, aggressive offense on their side, getting a lot of people involved. And then you look on the New England side, I mean, like you said, it's 505 uh, total yards uh, uh, there. Um, you know, white, Wisconsin back over there, 45 yards rushing into TD, uh, 26 yards was long. Deion Lewis – Deion Lewis was kind of held in the check level. He had 39 yards rushing, um, and then really wasn't really in the passing game. I mean, Gronk had 116 yards receiving uh, and uh, two TDs. Uh, there, Hogan had 128 yards and one TD. Um, but other than that, I think they did a good job of keeping their passing game. You know, other than people scoring right there, they were they were on those guys. I mean, you know, Gronk is going to be Gronk, but I think right. they. You know, they got they got cooks out of there they got cooks out of there early, um, the hit he took from Malcolm Jenkins, um, so offensively, um, uh, you know they just kind of both teams just kind of counter punched whenever they stop something they find something else they're gonna go to. I mean New England started running the ball when you think wow they like they they start running and you know uh, 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 Burkhardt started getting some yards and started committing to the run just when you thought you know, because of how they're playing defensively. So I think the coaches did a really good job of countering. We'll talk a little bit more about kind of what the coaches uh, contribute to it. But then, you know, we talked a little bit earlier uh, about the overall defense. And I'll start here and go back to you. I think defensively was kind of game is could you make the right adjustments to get a play when you need to get a play? And it just felt like the Eagles – we're going to make a play. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of time. They're trying to find a combination. Um, and um, they they move Graham to the inside, you know, so you bring this this guy who's been in a nine technique outside running, bring him inside, bring his quickness inside. You know, he does a nice little swim move over the guard and then dislodges the football. And and then, you know, that was the big play, right? Um, almost got to, I thought it was going to be in trouble when, he just he missed Brady on the last play of the game, and then Brady slid and threw the hail mary. I was like, oh, that's the play. Like how you can be a hero woman to go. That's typical Tom Brady. And if, if that hail mary would have been successful, uh, but they seemed to make was able to make those adjustments, and you had a feeling they were going to make a play, which is rare for New when you have a team going against New England that you think that other team was in a better position to make uh, a, a play, but. You know, it's hard to say in a game when you give up that many yards. Where some bright spots, but I felt like there were a few bright spots on, especially on Philly side. um, But um, you know, there were times where the defenses were making and trying to stop the bleeding. Right. Your thoughts?
0: I think when I look at it, I think the only the only real uh, adjustment that you can really speak to on the New England side was when they changed up coverage of Alshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey was
1: torching
0: England in the first half, and then they changed the corner um, uh, to put on him uh, in the second half, and he became more of a non-factor. But to Philly's credit, they started using other players.
1: They put put Gilmore on him, right? I think they put Gilmore on him. They put Gilmore
0: on him, yes. And that kind of shut him down, but that opened up Zach Ertz. And Zach Ertz is like he was all over the place. And then the fact that they was using Clement down the field – was brilliant, okay. I thought that that was 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 very well well conceived uh, by by the uh, Philly coaching staff. But the running game and the fact that uh, they were able to run the football. This is the part where I just I was just not at all. Um, just just I just what New England was doing I couldn't figure it out. I, I'm with you when you looked at Philadelphia's front seven. <laughs> you felt like somebody was going to get in there. What you saw was Tom Brady tried to slow that rush down by quick passes and quick hitters through the gaps with the running game. And that kind of backed him off a little bit. And then he was able to slide to his right or to his left and buy enough time to find somebody to get open down the field. And he was doing that quite often uh, in this game. But you always looked at both of those Offensive front, and you just felt like Philly was putting more pressure on the New England offensive line than the opposite. You just felt like I when I'm watching that game, it just looked at me. Nick Foles had all day. He would slide to the right or to the left, not because he had to, but because he wanted to get a better angle. And that's just the way it looked to me. He just he just looked very relaxed. Where I just thought that I saw Tom Brady do a lot of different things to slow down Philadelphia. Um. And I think he got away with a couple of passes, too, Tom Brady did a couple of them were yeah. right they behind the player, but again, um when the play needed to be made and and even the announcers were saying, you know Brandon Graham you know was kind of quiet in that game but until it was time, and then all of a sudden he became a factor uh to make sure that that they, they sealed the deal on that game but but yeah, you just you just kind of felt like okay, Philly." To me, it just felt like they had outplayed both sides of the ball on New England, but New England just had the X factor, which was Tom Brady, and he just wasn't going to be stopped. He just was going to do what he wanted to do.
1: Yeah, and the, the one player on uh, up in the front seven that I was really impressed with with some of the things he was doing, uh, he had a great uh, tackle off of uh, a block. He kind of just it, it, uh, is uh, uh van Noy. And he's from yeah. – um, uh, uh, BYU uh, Read a lot about him, just great um, You see him as one a, a linebacker that depending on how they want to Use him moving forward, like hand down Coming up the middle, like this Is a guy I thought had a lot of talent, I was, he's one of the guys I was hoping the Steelers would get a Hands-on, you know, you put him with a T.J. Watt, you got something going, but man, no like, he, he's got, he's got a future and So, um, you saw Some of those bright spots, but it was just like They're, they're missing some chemistry um, and not a real true dominant player. I didn't feel that um anyone on other than Van Noy nu- on, on New England's front side was giving me anything. I mean James no. Harrison had some some, some dis some, some decent plays um where he was bull rushing and putting pressure on, but I didn't see anything that would really make you feel like they had a difference maker in a way that you just like you said, it was just a matter of time for Philly to get in there.
0: Right. And you just – you didn't – you you if you are a New England fan, you were frustrated by just like – it just seemed like Philly's offensive line was just able to stand up their front seven, okay? And even if they tried to run blitzes, and I'm pretty sure they did, they didn't get home. They didn't even get close. It's, I was like, okay, we're waiting for you to get to this spot. I've already got you gapped up, and I've got you sealed off. This is what I saw all the time. You, you could see those blitzes trying to come, but it seemed like those backs – or whoever the, whoever the secondary blocking was was already in the gap before he got there, and he, I mean just waiting on him, and 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 that's that's great discipline. That's that's great discipline. Great great knowledge of the of the playbook. But Nick Foles was not under duress at all. I think he only, it was only one time it looked like he was going to be hit, and he got the ball off and it went up the field uh, for 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 positive yards. Other thing I saw was a lot of missed tackles on open field for New England. Well, you didn't see that many with uh, with, with Philly. What well, it looked like with Philly you look like you might have seen some blown coverages, but I just believe that was Tom Brady. But uh, it wasn't like they were running around there too free. You know, they had two or three guys around those receivers when they got the rock. So, again, um, you just kind of felt like if it comes right down to it um, – Philly was, I I had a feeling that somebody was going to get in at that last play. I was like, if if Tom Brady's able to get out of his own end, then you got a problem. But if somebody can get to him, and they did, it's a wrap.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, somebody was going uh, to make that that, uh, uh, hit on him and and, and get there. But when you think about it, I mean, they lost what, uh, what Jason Peters they lost. You also lost, you caught Carson Wentz. Uh, you got, uh, uh, what, Darren Sproles went down. I mean, when you think about what they lost and they still won, you know, you yeah. think, and their roster is tight and set moving forward, um, you know, it, it, it looked good. The, the the special teams was obviously a factor um, with <laughs> missing the extra points. And, you know, they are blaming the logo, <laughs> everybody, you know, the footing um, and was an issue. So special teams came in. Uh, as a as a factor as well um, into this. And I'm like, I can't understand why you're going to put the logo where they put the logo, right where you're going to be kicking field goals. Anyway, like I just don't – again, sometimes we get in the way on this, branding, like we're overdoing it. You know, like you could push that closer to the sideline. I mean, it doesn't seem like the right place. Like why do we need a big Super Bowl logo right there? Put it in the middle of the field. Like what – I mean, that – it just seemed irritating to me. And now it's causing problems. You already extending the extra point back. Now we add degrees of difficulty to it. Like since right. we up north not playing outside and whatever, we want to we want to bring the winter element to it. We want to bring a little ice and footing issues to this indoor arena to make it to make it authentic that we do in the Super Bowl in Minneapolis.
0: That was that was that was poor planning. And you know, it's like somebody needs to take the reins. It's like you don't want to give either team a disadvantage. I know somebody said, "Well, they're on they're on the, they're on the same side on both sides of the field." That's not what you're talking about. The field should not come into play like that, you know, because you got some paint right there where somebody got a kick. I mean, it's like yes, yeah, pretty for TV and all, but clearly we've seen where it impacted the game. All right, you 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 you're talking about a completely different a different game. If you're making those field goals and extra points okay you now you're talking about a game that's damn near even, all right not even an eight point game maybe it's a five point game really um and so you you have to you have to uh keep that keep that in mind because if that's really if you think about this game, that was really the only blemish the fact that you got these teams going up and down the field like that they get in the, get in the field goal range and all of a sudden. You've got issues with, uh, you know, the field itself because it's got to be over-the-top pretty to the point where that was impacting the play on the field. That can't happen.
1: You listen to Real Sports, guys, one Mike, We've been talking about the Super Bowl. The Eagle, the Eagles stumping with the big dogs, and they won. Uh, we're currently right now in the cipher uh, portion where we get to the heart of our um, – uh, 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 Issues where we we go deep on this issue. And, you know, obviously today it's about the Super Bowl. But we want you to know that the hosts and callers are brought to you by our good friends over there at Carbon World Health. The health, uh, your complete solution for fitness, health, and beauty. Go to carbonworldhealth.com. Just tell them that the Real Sports Guy sent you. You know, we love our partnership with that. And uh, as I said, we're in the cypher. um, And we're talking about some of the five key areas. And we've been kind of working through that. Uh, As well. Um, Our our next area we'll hit is the obvious area where usually the. Patriots have a pretty usually a a, a clear advantage is in coaching. (laughs) Now, we've already (laughs) had a, a, a question of coaching, given the potential, the new Lions coach. Uh, uh, who is coming off the staff, but the, it's always a staff that believe have strong assistant coaches and obviously Bill Belichick along with you, you consider Tom Brady extension of that and some of the other veterans who really understand it and, and are involved in some of the game planning as well. Doug, one of the things that we said is keys to this, when we talked about the overall overall keys, and we'd like to pick, go back to it. One of the things that you and I talked a lot about is when you play the Patriots, you got to play to win. You can't play not to lose, and nobody can ever say that Doug Peterson doesn't play to win. And we no. talked a little bit about fourth down calls and some of the things when we described some of the things, but the willingness to make adjustments every time they try to take something away. When they, you know uh, with Philadelphia, they would go to something different. Same thing on the on, on the Belichick side, but but you know whatever decision was to, to sit Malcolm Butler. That obviously was a coach's decision, had an impact, uh, made an adjustment to what they got to do. But um, from a coach's side, play call and everything else, you know, Doug Peterson did his thing. There's very few times you can say a coaching staff was just outdoing New England. But that's my opinion about the coaching. Um, It was the better team won, but the better team, but Philly was prepared to win.
0: They were prepared to win.
1: And, and, it very and what's your what's your opinion about Doug Peterson? I mean, he's a guy that just is he's he's a he's perfect for Philly. He Aggressive, is. you know, unapologetic. You know, what 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 did what, you feel about that?
0: Look, they did what we talked about. We said to beat the champs, you have got to knock them out. You cannot right. think you're going to outpoint this opponent. You have to whoop them. You got to you got you got to whoop them. That's what Philly did. Philly was the better team. Okay, uh, they weren't scared. What I love about Doug Peterson is like, look, we're throwing balls to the walls in this game. Okay, That's right. so we we know that we can't stop Tom Brady. This is he's in his element. <laughs> so we're so we yeah. going to have to go to toe with him. All right, and I respect that from a coach. All right, it's like. I can't take the foot off the gas cuz he showed the heck ain't he he's looking over there. He knows what kind of defense he's got. But here's the piece that no one's talking about. When Carson Wentz went down, all of a sudden everybody just uh wrote Philly off. Philly got on their horse and got Nick Foles up to speed, okay? And since the Philadelphia game, I'm sorry, since the game in Atlanta, he's gotten progressively better. Okay? We could talk about what we think we know. But he's gotten progressively better every game. He looked better in the Super Bowl than he did against Minnesota. He looked better against Minnesota than he did against Atlanta. And then he looked better against Atlanta than he did against the last two games of the regular season. That is fabulous. Okay, that is is great development of that quarterback, which is another reason why you've seen Carson Wentz move so quickly. Okay, that's coaching. The other piece is – you know why he why he was able to uh, outcoach Bill Belichick because he had the personnel to do it. Both of these coaches chose to throw the ball to their quarterbacks. The problem is is that Nick Foles had two good hands and two good wheels, two good legs. Tom Brady had a cut on one hand, ain't been able to run since he was four years old, and you want to throw a pass to him expect him to get to it. That's not his forte, nor should it ever be. If he's not throwing the passes. For you, you got a problem. New England had a problem doing that. Didn't understand that play at all. Everybody said, oh, he should have got to it. That's not a play you call. And even the the announcers were like, they questioned why you would run that with Tom Brady. And why would you wait till this stage to do it? The man threw for over 500 yards. Let him throw the rock. You want to do something creative, do something creative. Make sure he got the ball last so that he can do the pitching. He ain't got no business doing the catches. Had issues with that. And then finally, you know, I can't, we we keep belaboring it, but you're the world champions, okay? You're coming off a Super Bowl last year. You've got the lead late in the game, okay? You cannot allow your opponent with the last eight minutes of the game to go down and score on you, okay, especially when they got a fourth down and something. You've got to get off the field. You've got to get off the field. A championship is on the line. Take nothing away from what Philadelphia did. Brilliant, gutsy, ballsy, they deserve it. But you have to get off the field. You are the defending champs. You have to find a way. New England did not find a way all game long. Bravo, congratulations, Philadelphia Eagles.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, it felt like for the first time, I felt like New England was out thinking the room. Usually it's the other team panicking out thinking the room. This is the first time. It was like, it was like uh, Philadelphia was like uh, Rocky and Rocky Four at the point where Drago got cut, and the guy was in the corner like, "He's human. He's real. He's just a man." You know, right? And, and right. John was just trying to remind them that that they're human. They put up in those players, and they got some veterans, and you you can't underestimate. You know, having uh, uh, Blunt and having LeGarrett in there and having uh, Long, who had been on the Patriots, you know, they know the secret sauce and they know what the warts are. And they still probably get reports on how things are crumbling. You know, so, you know, those guys have been there and and they brought some of that to the locker room. You have people like Malcolm Butler, who was on a New Orleans team that had never won and had to, you know, uh, take chances and go all the way to it and, and win. And, you know, he was on that team. So you had some people in the locker room who could kind of carry that swag along with him to say, "Look, we're not just here to play; uh, we're here, we're here to win." And he, I think, that fourth down call at the beginning of the game was more about telling his players, "Look, we're here to win. Don't, don't right. let nobody." Fool you. And they believed it. They were gonna run through the wall for him, uh, in a way. And it's where personality comes into play and matters. Almost like the ch- national championship game conversation we were having. And I never thought that um, Saban would just unmask himself, allow himself to be that vulnerable in that space and just go with it, you know, improvise. And he did. And he was just a different person in that moment. Belichick couldn't let that go. You know, it was almost a point where whatever y'all said about Butler, right now y'all might not want to figure out how to put him in the game. (laughs) Right. You know, (laughs) we'll talk about that later. I think we, we punished you long enough for three quarters. But yeah. let's make this a storyline where you get the interception or something. You know what I'm saying? They haven't seen you and you've been watching. This is your opportunity. We're gonna to to put you on the slide. You know what, what I'm saying? Something. Right. You, right. you see what I'm
0: saying? Something. Exactly. You know,
1: you but know, now, like now don't you don't know.
0: play, now you don't have a championship. Now you go now they're to second guessing and begin.
1: And the players are second guessing. Because they're like exactly. why is he in the game? Right. Regardless, like we can talk about this later on. Finding. <laughs> but we got to do whatever to go. you
0: gotta do, but he got to be out there. I agree.
1: Out I, there. That's way I go too. And so it, it, it's one of those things where it kinda like they got they got too far out there in ways that you normally don't see the Patriots get out there. Now, if he did what people say did, I could see why Belichick did it. But I, even Belichick, I've seen in situations, that felt like he would have found another way to do the punishment. But he would have known that they got to win. You know, you probably would have complained about it, but he normally would have found another way to do the punishment. It was almost like an excuse because of how he played in Jacksonville. You know, I'm, this was giving me an excuse not to play him because he didn't have a good game against Jacksonville, even though he's one of your veteran players. So right. it's, that's the Patriot way, and sometimes they come back to bite you.
0: Well, it did. It, did, thing, it did yesterday.
1: You did. So one thing before I I'll have you drop the mic, I was going to think, you look at these two teams, you know, people say, well, the Patriots are already favorites for next year. Mm, could be. We don't know how deep some of this other stuff is going. That's clear. And then on the other side, you got the Eagles with, you know, these guys who are hurt. You got you know Darren Sproles coming back, you got a Pro Bowl left tackle coming back. You got uh, your, uh Pro Bowl Caliber quarterback coming back. Um, you know, you got other pieces coming back, plus you got these people who got a game experience this year, um, and they're pretty much set from a contract standpoint. And cap stuff. They could probably add pieces to it. So that's what you got over there. Um, and then in, 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 in New England, you got a lot of questions about a lot of stuff and a lot of public laundry that used to be under control that's not quite under control. Uh, but still, they, they are a championship franchise. So what do you see going forward with these two franchises?
0: Look, here's what folks need to understand this was a great Super Bowl with two great teams. But don't forget what we saw in the playoffs, okay? You had a Minnesota team that had as many injuries and hurts and stuff with players coming back. They're going to be strong. You had a Jacksonville team that is probably as talented as any team out there, okay? They're going to come back. Kansas City is not going away. And, oh, by the way, uh, they just got rid of Alex Smith going to Washington, D.C. So we're going to see what happens there. And what about your Pittsburgh Steelers? All right, here's the thing. Winning a Super Bowl is a one-year thing. What we see with the New England right. Patriots is something that we just don't see too much of. Uh, just ask the Seattle uh, the, the, the the Seahawks, okay? It just, it's, it's not as easily done. You've got an Atlanta team that, that if they make one catch, we're not talking about Philadelphia, okay, on the last play. We're not talking about them. We're talking about somebody else. All of these teams are going to be good next year. I'm not, don't take that, but it, but it's a crapshoot. It's it's it, it's lucky. It's it's a marathon, and we've seen some teams come through the playoffs this year. That is like, just from the team perspective, it's going to be fun to see what happens. Carson Wentz stays healthy. What happens with Nick Foles? Does this probably Nick Foles into doing something else? These teams change all the time. You talk about New England. They got to get a new defensive and new offensive coordinator, okay, for Belichick. Um, Tom Brady's talking about coming back one more year. So, you know, they can make them favorites all they want to, okay? But I promise you that from what I've seen in the playoffs this year, we may have two different teams next year, and I wouldn't be surprised because you also got a team over there in Los Angeles and look like they're on their way up. Then you, And you don't know what they're going to do come the draft. It's fun to to speculate, but these aren't going to be the same teams. And and the teams that didn't make it, you know, they just as hungry. They they're your, they're your next Philadelphia. They're your next New England. And we've seen them. We talked about them. And 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 the prospects and and the anticipation is going to be fun to see what those teams come out and look like next year. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily put this team favorite. There's a couple of teams I would put over New England next year. Jacksonville is one of them.
1: So we put the book in on it as, as Hank said, you know, we're last time on our last podcast, you know, we, we, we're going to put a book in on this uh, football season. You know, some of y'all going to start mourning and, you know, trying to figure out what you're going to do, but there's a lot going on. The NBA is running up. Uh, we told you we're going to be coming up with our own live NBA draft. Um, uh, I'm going to be down in Atlanta area. I'm going to see what's happening down there. I maybe mean, I'll come back with some stuff, some stories about what's happening down in that space. We gonna uh, Obviously, talk about uh, uh, baseball and some of the stuff in inside the park. And Hank has put already put a podcast out. He's going to be put out a couple more as we're getting closer to uh, uh, spring ball and, and, and getting that together. Uh, we in the lab. We got some stuff we're going on, but you know, uh, we're going to be talking about um, you, you know um, uh, 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 preseason for uh, you know some of the uh, spring spring ball for baseball. We got. We got, uh, you know, uh, NCAA tournament coming up. So, there's, you know, there's plenty coming around. We got the Olympics starting this week, Winter Olympics. Maybe we even talk a little bit about that because we don't know what's going to happen over in that plinth in the Korean Peninsula. We, just got, we don't know what's going on. It's going to be, you know, we don't know what's going to be part of the games. So we definitely gonna have stuff to talk about. So this sport's going to be around the corner. And, you know, we always going to try and bring society in the middle of that. You know, this is RC1, Mike. This is where we go deep. Please go check us out. On our platforms, you can look for Real Sports Guys on most social media platforms. Uh, if you're in the Apple uh, uh, Podcast uh, Center, search for Real Sports Guys. Um, and other our podcast, centers for Real Sports Guys. We're on Facebook. Go to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we're out there. And, and the way we do it on this show uh, we each have an opportunity to drop the mic every other podcast. When we have a guest, we let them drop the mic, and they've been really good and gracious with us. And, you know, uh, there's nothing better as we end the football season uh, and our Super Bowl edition uh, with the, the Philadelphia Eagles winning their first Super Bowl championship and the folks trying to tear the city down to bring a guy like Hank and let him just drop the mic on whatever's coming to his mind, Philly
0: style. Oh, you know, I got to do it. You know, I want to talk a little bit about the mind of a fan. You know, we, 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 we spend a lot of time we're talking about social media. We're talking about what gets on people's nerves, what get people all fired up. But let's talk about the city of brotherly love. And Yeah, I know they might be getting some bad press going out there, going crazy, tearing stuff down. But, you know, this is told by people have said in Philadelphia, this is the greatest championship in the city's history. And that's saying a lot for a city like Philadelphia. For those who don't know, Philadelphia is a very, very strong sports town. They have all four sports in it, all four major sports, and they've won championships in those sports. You know, they had the hockey Broad Street Bullies with with Bobby Orr. You know, at winning a championship. They've had, they've got the Philadelphia 76ers and Dr. J and Moses Malone. Winning championships, and we can't forget about their their beloved Philadelphia Phillies. Okay, uh, we I go back to to the Weeze kids in the back in the '80s when they had Mike Schmidt, Pete Rose. Back in 2013 when they won it all with Ryan Howard in that group. Okay, so this team has a rich championship pedigree. I don't want the, I don't want it to, to sound like they don't know how they haven't had championships over there before. Okay, and before the Super Bowl era era. This was a team that won championships with uh, Ben Narek and and those kind of guys. Okay? So this team understands, and they've been to Super Bowls before. You know, Ron Jaworski, Wilbert Montgomery, that kind of – those teams. But they've never won a Super Bowl. And what is it about winning a Super Bowl versus the rest of these championships? See, championships can transcend a city's uh, psyche for a moment. But a Super Bowl championship, a Super Bowl championship – does it for a lifetime it does it for a lifetime they were on the spotlight the whole world saw you win this championship okay and even being one of the two participants in the big game could galvanize the loyalties of an entire state okay you think about Carolina you think about Atlanta and Georgia you know that's why it makes me wonder today over, over almost twenty four hours before you know, the end of the game last night, it makes me wonder who Steelers fans was rooting for. You know, they're from the state of Pennsylvania. I wonder if that galvanized them. I doubt it. But it's just something to think about, you know. But but, but understanding what it's like. So then you start talking about what we started our show talking about that. What about those, the teams that's never even been there? Okay, and what are their dreams, and what are those fans' dreams, and what are they thinking about on this day? What is it going to take for us to get there? And let's talk about about the teams that's that's never been there. You're talking about the team I think we just talked just, just talked about, the Jacksonville Jaguars, a young and up and coming team. Don't you think they watched that game and was thinking to themselves, just one more play, just one more play, and that would have been us. Or what about the Houston Texans? Okay, a team that had the young, promising quarterback in Deshaun Watson saying, we're almost there. We're almost there. We can keep it going. And what about the beloved Detroit Lions or in that, in that beloved uh, fan base that we have here in southeast Michigan and all over the state of, of closet Lions fans just waiting for that opportunity to best bust out their Honolulu blue and silver and say, I am a proud Lions fan, and we're going to the Super Bowl. What about them? What about the decades and decades of just waiting and wanting and waiting and wanting? For the Jacksonvilles and the Houstons, the young teams out there, they can still they can still hope. They can still wish. They can still see it. For an old, grizzled team like the Detroit Lions that's been a part of the NFL since there's been an NFL, what about them? And then what about the Cleveland Browns? The Cleveland Browns, 0-16. What about them? Well... What about them? Sorry, fans, but y'all got some work to do. But that's gonna be our one mic for the night, our Super Bowl edition. We tell you guys to, to 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 keep tuned to the to the RSG family. We've always got something good for you. On behalf of Devon Wilson, this is Hank Davis telling you guys good night, and we will see you next time. Peace. Lot, 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 to radio. This thing right here is for my people
1: in the street. Yes, yes, today. Yes, yes, today. You know, as we start to show this one, might. Here we have. There is a
0: pause. Throughout the stadium, as this man sounds like he just coughs up a lung They're looking around, the jumbled rod shows and pants the cheerleaders And as it glows down each cheerleader's face, each one breaks up into laughter Which at this particular time, destroys half the stadium The other half is still trying to figure out what the hell just happened Does this guy needs uh, CPR or something. And at that
1: particular time, I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Today, Lost am going this one Phoenix is another place. They got a great uh, training staff. I mean, they, they were able to breathe life back into shack. And you can do that. You know, people talk a lot about yeah. their training staff. Lock, lock. Yes, yes, today you know as we start to show this one mic